We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Uncontested Weekly Show, part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network and DailyThunder.com. I'm your host on this Wednesday evening, J.D. Silva, joined by a singular fella, Taylor Peterson. Fella, Silva, I have two questions for you to start this one off. All right. One, who is more generous today? Uh, Bossa with his five beautiful assists and felt like way more uh, <laughs> looking at the box score. Or you giving like half of the blood in your body at a blood drive today at work? You know, That's question number one. Yeah, this is a strange one for me. I'll probably go <laughs> myself here. I'm feeling a little loopy, to be honest. I did donate like a half liter of blood today. Uh, this morning, I've taken two naps. Man Watched the this people. game uh, laying down on my couch the entire time, and now I'm here. You know, it, you made it. I appreciate it. Uh, made it. Second question I have is: Can you please play the "Who Let the Dog Out" sounder? Or what the dog's doing, Sounder, sorry. Absolutely. What the dog doing? Thank you. <laughs> roof, 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 roof. Uh, the guys were going crazy post-game. It's become a very fun theme. They were. I almost went crazy post-game. This was an insane game. Uh, before we totally get into this, uh, be sure to subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcast. Join us on YouTube. We have a lot of fun in the live stream. Uh, give us a five-star rating. We would really appreciate it. It helps us get seen by others that otherwise would not see us. JD Hero, you're right. You're right. <laughs> uh taylor the thunder played a basketball game tonight against the denver nuggets no nicole Jokic. thunder did not have j-dub or isaiah joe the thunder won 105 to 100 it's pretty nuts uh chet hit a big three late i damn near ran out to my balcony and howled at the moon like a wolf um <laughs> it was an insane game it was really <laughs> sloppy <clears throat> For a large chunk of it, it was very sloppy. Uh, it was a game that I'm sure our parents would be just elated to see. Uh, both teams shooting like 40% for a large chunk of it. I don't know where they ended up shooting. Oh, yeah. A 40, Denver shot 40% and the Thunder shot 42%. This is our dad's NBA. Oh, yeah. My dad is already firing off tweets in the group chat, uh, group text saying, you know, I really think Wiggins should start instead of Josh yeah. Giddy. Uh, you know, all, all, all the fun stuff. But you're right. <laughs> I mean, real basketball. <laughs> Some real basketball, especially after the the terrible first quarter uh, by both teams. Really, neither were shooting yeah. well, uh, and then Denver obviously goes through a very cold stretch there in the third quarter. They both end up above forty percent. When it ended up being a really fun, entertaining game, it was. It was. Um, I guess we could do some big takeaways. I don't know if we need to do quarter by quarter. We can kind of talk through yeah. the lens of each player. I think that could be fun. One thing, one stat that I just saw. Yes. To kind of. Put this game to perspective. Obviously, the Thunder coming off two pretty tough losses. One, uh, just a horrific loss that we already covered against the Detroit yeah. Pistons Sunday afternoon. God. And then two nights ago, second night of the back-to-back, if you want to call it night, whatever. 
second game of a back-to-back. Uh, Monday, they play the Minnesota Timberwolves in just a grind of a game. Like you mentioned, J-Dub gets hurt late. Uh, Joe also technically gets hurt late, although it was a little earlier, I believe, in like late third, early fourth. I can't remember. Um, those are two tough losses. One loss, you know, that you shouldn't lose, right, against the Pistons. The second game, uh, just, again, a grind of a game that they could have won if things kind of go their way. Uh, and for them to be able to respond like this down a couple of players was pretty huge. The stat that I just found is from Nick Gallo. This win tonight it gives the Thunder nine double-digit comeback victories this season, which is tied for the most in the NBA. And again, I keep saying this every time. I feel like I jump on a post-game podcast. Technically, I guess tonight's a group podcast. But this team is just extremely resilient for being so young. Second youngest team in the NBA, and they continue to show that resilience. resiliency none more than I think tonight when they're down two big key rotation players. Yeah. And you have some, if you want to keep talking, you have some awesome stats about the context leading into this game, as far as how many games they've played in January, how many back-to-backs, how many miles, I think uh, the Thunder talked about at some point, they put up an infographic with all this stuff, but do you have those stats? Yeah. So I think Dagnall, I, I don't have the quote pulled up in front of me, but pregame during his availability, he was mentioning, how uh, statistically, I always have trouble with that word, <laughs> uh, the Thunder played one of the most tough months in like the last five years of the NBA, something crazy like that. Again, I don't have that direct quote pulled up, but you look at like the actual stats there, 17 games, which is the most allowed in a month for the from the NBA. I think it was like the Thunder and two other teams potentially played 17 games in the month of January, some of that being due to the in-season tournament. And obviously, they had a pretty generous schedule in December, something to keep in mind. But 17 games, five back-to-backs, 11 of 14 on the road between January 3rd and, 20, and, and January 28th, and 9,338 total miles. That's what the broadcast put up there before the game. Like, that is pretty brutal. And I think we're starting to see the effects of that on this team. Some tired legs, like we mentioned over the past couple yeah. of games. Now, obviously, we're seeing some, some injuries. Hopefully, they aren't too serious moving forward. It could have been, and the injuries could have been worse leading into this game. On the injury report, I think yesterday it was obviously J-Dub and Isaiah Joe out, and then it was SGA questionable with an illness, and Chet and Lou questionable with various injuries that they've picked up over this horrible month. Chet specifically, this was honestly a game, this was a, a very satisfying win to watch because you could tell they were still battling through so much. Like, no team needs the all-star break more than the Thunder right now, and you could tell that they were exhausted. Thank God that the Denver Nuggets didn't have Jokic tonight because that would have been tough. But you'll you play who's in front of you, you know. But you you could tell they were tired immediately. You could tell Mark was like, "I'm gonna have to do things a little differently tonight. I'm gonna have to try weird lineups. I'm gonna have to see what works on the fly." A lot of stuff didn't work. Uh, Usman Jang played some early minutes. Lindy Waters, your guy, played some, <laughs> played some early minutes. He got uh, a little cardio in there for a bit. Didn't work. Uh, can we do 60 seconds on Usman Jang? I, I can, he was really bad. He is very, very soft, Taylor. I don't know if he's gonna like this is gonna sound hyperbolic, but I don't know if he's gonna be able to make it. Yeah, so I mean, you look at his stat line tonight, I'm seeing a lot of zeros, Silva, until I get yeah. to eight minutes played. Uh, one turnover that was yep. Usman's stat line tonight. They almost had a snow, <laughs> and to your point, it's just a lack of confidence on both ends of the floor, which is strange because we do see him go to the G League, be more confident, be a little yeah. more aggressive, but just completely passive, not going after loose balls, uh, being scared to shoot the ball, even like hesitating when he's like trying to pass the ball. I mean, he's only 20 years old, lack of experience. Uh, obviously, it's nice to get him some burn in certain situations to get him some developmental time. But man, to your point, he just looks very passive on both ends. And that's, you can't have that especially in a game like tonight. And that's why I think we only saw him got, he only got eight minutes. Mark gave him more chance there in the third quarter and pulled him very quickly because it obviously wasn't working. Yeah. He doesn't have the same competitive drive that it seems like all the other guys like Kaysen, who is the same age as him, maybe a, a hair older has already. It's just an, un, there's an unseriousness about Usman that I do not like the back-to-back possessions. He let a ball just totally slip through his hands, turnover next possession. He's throwing an inbounds. Throws it lackadaisically, it almost gets picked off by I think Aaron Gordon. It's just uh, unserious, but no assertiveness. Yep. No assertiveness. But we could talk about something that did work, and that was 
Vasilye Mitsich. Big Meech, as some of you call him in the chat here. <laughs> Think I'm Big Meech. Well, that was his best NBA game pretty easily, right? Yeah, I mean, it's a career high for Meech. Uh, 12 points, two rebounds, five assists, four of eight from the floor. He was only one of three from three, which seems kind of crazy. That one three was pretty huge. Um, three of five from the free throw line. That's the thing. Is like, it seemed like he was a little more... I don't know, a little more aggressive in terms of getting to the rim, especially with J-Dub out, seeing him turn those corners and just seem way more quicker, uh, a little more explosive coming off the dribble with that, that first step. Getting to the rim, that results in him getting to the line. Like I mentioned, he had five free, free throws, which is pretty significant pretty uh, and was much needed. And honestly, Silva, like that second quarter, the Thunder were really struggling to find any spark on the offensive side of the ball that wasn't SGA. Mm-hmm. It was Michich who came in there, and I actually, I think I have this in my notes. Uh, you can kind of touch on Michich, and I'll see if I can find that stretch in the second quarter. Yeah. Essentially, that's kind of what sparked that Thunder comeback there, and then that led into the third quarter, and next thing you know, Thunder are up by a point uh, heading into the fourth. Yeah, I mentioned Mark was kind of just trying things out tonight to see what worked without having... J-Dub is such, such an important initiator on this team, and without him, Mark was just searching for something. Early in the game, got a lot of Josh Giddy. That usage was really high. It did not work. He was cycling through Lindy Water, Usman, on and on and on as SGA went to the bench and just, you know, the normal bench rotations, figuring out what to do. Meets it pretty immediately. Uh, tied to Aaron Wiggins, actually. Made a made a gigantic impact. And uh, I, I was very, very impressed with what he was doing. He just looked so comfortable. He looked like he was adding a layer to the offense that no one else could provide at that time with the initiation. The getting to the line is so important, especially if Denver's on a run. Uh, that that was very very valuable. And uh, damn, if he plays like that more regularly, like if if this is his time to find his groove with J Dub out, and he keeps playing like this when J Dub comes back, that's massive, significant. Uh, some very in depth notes here I have in the second quarter of that that Vasa stretch. Quick five points for Vasa. Please credit the uncontested with that in depth analysis. <laughs> <laughs> but I believe he had, that might have been when he got his three. Yeah. Uh, obviously was driving to the rim, got a really nice layup. The big thing there is he's continued to dish and create for teammates, found some open shooters. I believe Jay Will was one of those shooters at one point there in that second quarter. And then I even think he's playing a little better defensively. I think as a whole, so it just seems like the game is slowing down for Mitch on both sides of the, of, of the ball. And even though he's never going to be a great, fantastic defender, we're seeing him kind of catch up to the speed of the game, be able to compete defensively. And if he's doing that, that makes him extremely playable, especially come playoff time. And I'm going to be completely honest. Uh, I, I know he played quite a bit there to start the fourth quarter, but I would not, and I understand Kaysen coming in for Josh there uh, to end the fourth quarter, but I wouldn't have hated to see Vasa with the starters instead of getting, you just see what it looked like. No, I wouldn't hate that either. That's, that's really not a bad idea because he's like a veteran. He's not, he's, he is a veteran and he's not at the same time. It's really strange. What is he's 29 years old as a rookie? Like he's, He's not a veteran. He's not a veteran, but he's a he's a journeyman, and he brings a level of poise that you kind of want in those moments. And he can space the floor, and he can make good decisions. He's just very clearly not your usual older, overseas, highly accomplished guy that comes over to the NBA just to give it a shot. Your your uh, throw up shots, you know, yeah. try to get his points. That's not him at all. Tito, That's not his my, uh, Milos Tiedosic, uh, Pablo Prigioni, who actually had a pretty good career. Um, but yeah, Mitic is awesome. And I don't know. Do you feel like this is a sign that he will continue to play more? Like, I don't know how you can't, why you wouldn't continue to play him more. I agree completely. And again, like I think we kind of talked about some of these players not playing as much. Aaron Wiggins is the other one that comes to mind. He wasn't playing. I mean, he's, he's played quite a bit in the month of January, thankfully, and it's been incredibly impactful. We'll touch on Wiggins again tonight. Mm-hmm. But we didn't see a lot of Wiggins early on, didn't see a lot of Vasa early on, and we kind of saw some of those developmental minutes, trying to get Kaysen adjusted to the NBA, his rookie season, trying to get Oos some more experience, right? We saw more Oos early on this season. I think to your point, come I mean, maybe it starts as soon as, now maybe tonight was the night we see more Mijic, but I think especially after the All Star break is when we see Mijic more with that second unit, and especially down the stretch heading into the playoffs. I totally agree. Now is when you need the depth and when you need these guys to like step up. I'm really happy. We can just naturally transition into Aaron Wiggins if you want, because I'm really, really happy for that guy. He and Mijic were the bench tonight, essentially outside of Jay Will. They those those two connected on so much and helped the offense flow so much 
Aaron Wiggins, five of eight, two of three from three, three rebounds. Uh, sorry, four rebounds, two assists, uh, 12 points. Just kind of did a little bit of everything. Played a, played a J-Dub role, really. Uh, did a bunch of ball handling. You know, we all know Wiggins can do a lot. He can, can kind of do it all, but we don't get to see it. He's just kind of a gap filler normally, a glue guy. Glue guy. He did a little more tonight, I think, and damn, he is impressive. I agree completely. I was trying to look for this stat before he jumped into Wiggins. Uh, but fifth, uh, Sorry, 38 bench points for OKC. The bench has been much better these last two games mm-hmm. after kind of struggling, not kind of really struggling, uh, the month of January with the tired legs and just seemed like the Thunder were getting that depth that they've had really for the majority of the season. And so when you take out J-Dub from the starting lineup and you bump up Kendrick Williams and you're taking away a core bench piece in Isaiah Joe, for the Thunder bench to perform like they did tonight with 38 bench points is just significant. And like you said, a lot of that comes from Mijic, a lot of that a lot of that comes from Wiggins with the 12 points, four rebounds, two assists, five of eight from the floor, two of three from three is significant. His three-point shot coming around has been huge. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I mean, not enough can be said about Wiggins stepping up into that role, but just the bench as a whole, really at the other player. I mean, Kaysen was fantastic, I think, on both ends of the floor, but he only had five points. Jay Will continues to play incredibly well also. Nine points, four of six from the floor, one of two from three, three rebounds, two assists. See, I think he got another block tonight. Yeah, one block. Uh, He just continues to play at an extremely high level so well that we even saw I actually tweeted this out from the account. I thought maybe it was the first time we saw Jay Will and Chet together. People were flaming me, saying the uncontested, one of the premier, uh, somebody said, like, one of the premier Thunder accounts doesn't even remember when these two played together. Well, I'm so sorry when I looked it up. 1.2 or 1.3 minutes per game together for Jay oh, Will yeah, it's and like Chet. happened like twice, I think. Yeah, right. Yeah, the, and one, the only other time was against the Knicks. So I, I apologize for forgetting that. That being said, Jay Will was playing so well that we saw him and Chet there together. And I kind of would like to see a little more of that, especially when the Thunder are a little short-handed like they were tonight. Yeah. Um, I heard uh, Gallo, I think, mentioned that Jay Will already has more blocks this season than he had all of last season. I just went and Crazy. checked. And he did have – he had 12 blocks all of last season. He has 13 already. And I don't know if this is even updated to include his one tonight, but this has been the best month of his career, even if it's it's been like the most tiring month for the team. But – it says a lot to me that he's been able to step up and do more. And I don't know. He's just moving around really well. Um, he doesn't look like a center. Like he does not look like a big out there. Really? 
that's the big thing. He's he's guarding whoever needs to be guarded. His three looks pretty good. He's blocking shots, taking charges like he always does. He does. He's just not really like a big necessarily, and that's why I think the two big lineup I actually really liked. It helps Chet roam, which is a big reason why I think Chet had five blocks. By the way, I think he had. I think I saw six. But he had six. Five. Got one taken away. Yeah, bastards. It's not Chet versus Wimby. It is Chet versus the box score. I know. Can we do some home cooking at least? Just a little bit. That's all I'm asking. We're just asking for the Rudy Gobert treatment at home. That's all we're asking. The Triple J treatment from last year. Or Triple J. Sorry, I said Gobert. There's a Reddit investigation. Yeah, that's right. We need a Reddit investigation for Chet. Triple J is who I was thinking of. Yeah, uh, but Jay will, even though I I still do think there's a need to get another big onto this roster, Jay will, I think, is truly earning his place and is just really good in, in the minutes that he plays. I think he was a, what uh, he was a minus five in the, in the plus minus, depending on how you, if you care about plus minus or not, but I test, he was awesome tonight. Makes a lot of sense. Cause, because like I mentioned, he was kind of sprinkled in with some of the starters as well. Yeah. And this was a game of runs. <laughs> we saw the thunder go on big runs, saw uh, Denver respond with runs. And when Jay wills playing, let's see, he had 18 minutes off the bench tonight, which is the most he's played in a while. He's in there for a lot of that. You're going to see some fluctuation there with the plus minus. And I think that kind of tells the story of Jay Will's game. And the other player off the bench, I guess, before we kind of transition into the starters and some of the overall bigger themes is Casey Wallace. Only had five points, two rebounds, one assist. Uh, he had three fouls. I thought he had a steal. He didn't. He didn't have a steal or a block, which is kind of crazy because mm. I thought he played so well defensively. He has some significant plays there, especially there in the second half where he's guarding Murray. And he's guarding, uh, I forget who else it was. That just results in the Thunder being able to get stops defensively and push the pace and transition, get back to their brand of basketball. That's what we saw so much of in the second half. And I thought Casey Wallace was a huge catalyst of that. Yeah, I mean, he played well enough for Mark to sub him in on defense at the end of the game. Like, you're right. He's the eye test. He passed the eye test tonight, too. He was really good. Guarded guarded Murray and switched on to a lot of dudes on the perimeter. Um, our, our chat is having an excellent time right now. We had a just like I am known to mispronounce names on the podcast. We had somebody accidentally mispronounce Dork with Dork in the chat, and uh, people are having a great time with it. Oh, god, but is hey, that's a great transition. It is. We can get into some of the negative tonight, and then I think I kind of want to leave chat for last. Um, but we can talk about some negative if you want. Do you want to go Dort or Giddy? I thought Dort was, I mean, I understand he had it. It's kind of a tell just the to have really. for Dort. Yeah. Right, right. Mm-hmm. But even then, like defensively, he struggled or these recent stretch of games. And it makes a lot mm-hmm. of sense when he comes out on the injury report yesterday, questionable with a left ankle sprain or yep. right, whatever, an ankle sprain. I thought he was better defensively tonight, especially against Murray. Actually, I want to pull up Murray's stat line because, again, without Jokic, kind of expected Murray to get a lot more opportunities. And I think mm-hmm. the Thunder played so well defensively, switching different bodies on him, whether it was Dort, whether it was Wiggins, Kenrich Williams, and like we mentioned, Kaysen. Murray was only had 16 points, 6 of 14 from the floor. Um, Aaron Gordon took more shot attempts than him. Michael Porter Jr., no surprise, took more shot attempts than him. Reggie Jackson off the bench only had four less shot attempts from him. Yeah. I thought the Thunder did a fantastic job defensively, and I think that's led by Lou Dort. I thought he kind of got some of that swagger back, to use an overused term. But offensively, like you said, kind of a tell two halves. It was very bad Dort in the first half where he's forcing a lot of shots. First of all, he's missing his threes. But when he's driving to the rim a little more out of control, forcing some shots, uh, not making his layups. Again, a lot of the old habits that we saw from Leo in previous seasons where he's just a little too strong driving to the rim, Yep, sometimes a lot too strong. But that all kind of came together there in that third quarter when he hits that first big three. And from there, I thought Lou was pretty fantastic. I agree. And – I guess I, I tried to lump him up into the negatives, but he really he should not be in the same bucket as Josh Giddy tonight, which and we'll get to Josh Giddy. Um Lou was Lou was pretty dang good. He his his defense on Murray was really, really important. Murray is not a guy that can just he's not a Damian Lillard type where he can just be an offense on his own. Like he really needs Jokic. He really needs someone else to play off of, I think, because a lot of the shots he was generating for himself within the Thunder's defensive game plan were just like FU threes off the dribble at the top of the key. And he hit some of them. You know, he was two of three from three, but he was highly limited, I thought. And Lou Dort played a big, a big role in that. And, and honestly, Lou should have hit one more three. But they they took it away. <laughs> his his heel was on the was out of bounds. 
I haven't I seen noticed take it. away a three in a long time. Right. Okay. So that's kind of what we were kind of talking about that in our contested group message. Mm-hmm. I noticed it on the replay as soon as it happened. I was like, I think his hill might have been on, on the yeah. on the line. And I get it. At the same time, I've never I'm not sure I've ever seen, and I probably have, and I'm forgetting, just like Jay Will and Chet playing together. Uh, but <laughs> to your point, like Nick and I were talking about this, we often see three-point shots change to two and vice versa during timeouts. But there was a full other possession that occurred on the other end of the floor. I think it was Dignall called the timeout. Then they reversed the three-point shot, save it's no basket because his heel was on the line. Like that's kind of seems to me like something, and again, I'm being a homer here, but like that's why coaches have challenges. Like I'm not sure you could, I, I didn't realize you could take away points during those, those opportunities as well, especially when it wasn't even like in, within the last two minutes of the game. No, I didn't think so either. I was I was surprised to see that because I'd like walked away to get some water, came back, and the score was three less. I was like, what the yeah, hell happened? Six points instead of nine, which is a huge swing. Huge. Um, now, Denver speaking almost came of back. Ward's big three that he had, I, I don't even have the timestamp here. He hits that three, though, about midway through the third quarter, finally gets one to fall, and he kisses his hands, lifts him to the sky after that, and then he just starts stroking. I mean, I thought, Lou, that might what be a mean by that? <laughs> <laughs> I, he really kind of got it going. Lord from, have mercy, I'm about to bust. <laughs> and that's how I felt watching Lou, Lou Dort offensively there. He, he really kind of got it going, found his confidence. And when he's able to space the floor like that, it's huge for this team. But kind of to your point, like that's the reason Giddy's able to be played off the floor and Lou Dort isn't because he brings so much more, obviously defensively, but he still can get, get it going and space the floor from outside. So, yeah. And, <laughs> We have uh, our comments uh, caught wind of uh, what you said there. Stroking. (laughs) A little stroking at the end of the game. It's fine. Uh, Yeah, Lou Dort's uh, cold streak from three. He keeps – we we had our conversation like twice this year about is his shooting a mirage or not. The dude is just in a revolving door of in in the mirage, out of the mirage, in the mirage with his shooting. Is it real or not? But whenever Lou Dort is down – it makes Josh Giddy look so much worse. Like he looked unplayable tonight in large stretches. He was two of 11, 0 of two from three, uh, two turnovers, some pretty, pretty careless ones. Also uh, minus three played 25 minutes was benched for Kaysen on defense late. Um, generally just looked uh, really bad. It was honestly re- really frustrating to watch. Uh, did you feel the same way? <laughs> I mean, I've been on this train for a while. People yeah. have gotten upset with me. And again, like I'm very pro giddy as a basketball player. Right. Um, I want to say even as a person, I think he's a high character guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I've been very defensive of him in regards to the allegations and things you like with some of those tweets. Uh, I'm not just like 110% anti giddy, get him off my team. I think the most frustrating thing for me it's just how the offense struggles so much. And even defensively, when he's not making the defensive rotations, like he's getting played off the floor, plain and simple. It's plain and simple as that. They're leaving him wide open from three, and it's gotten so bad that there was multiple times for the first time of the season. I'm sure it's happened before, but this is the first time I noticed it, where multiple teammates turned him down uh, when he was wide open. Yeah. There's one point in the first half where he was wide open uh, on the left elbow, I believe, for three. He like has his hands up and ready. Shea looks at him, looks him off, and then Dort comes cutting down from the top of the key. And instead, Shea dishes it to Dort for a nice little layup there. Right. And there's the other one that stood out to me was in the second half. He oh. was sitting there like clapping his hands. Oh my god! Do you remember who that was? Who I think it was Shea again. No, no, it was it, Chet that time. It was right? Chet that time because Josh song. was jumping up in the air, clapping his hands, calling for the ball. He gets it a few seconds later. Well, they looked him off first. They did, then, you're right. Like some somebody else, like Shea or somebody got stopped. They kick it out to Giddy. Mm-hmm. And then he drives and does a weird like hook shot from the free throw line and air balls. <laughs> it's bad. It's really bad. And that most he he had a lot of air balls tonight or a lot of front rim shots. It just looks one, he looks so easy to defend. And with that, it makes everyone else easier to defend because you don't have to pay attention to him. Everything is a floater from the free throw line or a couple steps ahead. And he's getting blocked a lot. He had a really nasty block. I think it was Aaron Gordon blocked him at one point. Just 
His offensive bag is uh, very limited. He actually took, before Chet hit that insane three with 20-ish seconds left, I forget how many seconds left, that possession started by Josh shooting a like elbow jumper that front rimmed. And if that was how the game had ended, I would have lost my Oh, mind. he would have inflamed. I that was his been... biggest play of the game. One of his bigger play of the seasons. I don't want to say the biggest because he did have two pretty solid games there against the Celtics. And either the Denver game or the Timberwolves game, one of those early ones. I can't remember now which one it was. But that was a significant play there by getting to secure the rebound and it kicks it out to Chet like you said, about 20 seconds left for the three-point shot. Um, and that's right after Murray made it a one-point game with, I believe, an and one. Significant play there from Giddy, but to your point, you got to make that jumper. And he doesn't have one is the issue. To your point, every quote-unquote jumper is a floater, and he's been leaving them short. He's hesitating, which is resulting in some of those block shots and the short shots that we've been seeing from Giddy very frequently. And a lot of it's mental. I honestly don't even – Take all the off-court stuff aside. I'm not sure we're seeing much more difference in Giddy if none of that even happened this no. season because the biggest thing here is the role change. He's basically basically having to fit into like this 3 and D playmakers. 3 and D with the playmaking ability with this, this lineup with Dub kind of taking that ascension and with Chet coming into the lineup this season. And he's really struggled with it because he's best with the ball in his hands. That's why we saw him play so much better his first two seasons compared to this season. I feel forgiving in that sense, but at the same time, it's not working. And okay, you can give give him the ball more, right? And let him facilitate the offense, but then you're taken away from so many other players. It's not worth it for this Thunder team. So now we're kind of to the point where is he better off somewhere else where he can have the ball in his hands, but his values at his trade values at an all-time low. So it's a really interesting conundrum. Um, but obviously we're seeing teams, especially elite teams, start to take advantage of it. And this is what we're going to see in the playoffs. Right, and that's what I'm really worried about. You saw it in the Minnesota game. They put their centers on Giddy and Dort for on defense. I mean, tonight you saw tonight was a night where I'm like, okay, maybe Giddy can do more tonight because he can. He's going to be like the second ball handler with J Dub out and with Kenrich in his place. And we saw that high usage. He was taking. He took up a lot of air space. I think in the first quarter. And it all looked pretty dang bad. It was careless turnovers. He like can't make the passes he made the last two seasons anymore because defenses just play off of him. And if he tries to make it, there's a there's a limb in the way because they know they don't have to kill up and guard him anymore. And he's not like there are nights like against I think it was against Minnesota where he hit three threes in a row in the first quarter. Yeah, two nights ago. And then he goes 0 of four after that. Tonight, what is he? 0 of three from three? Oh, of two from three. Oh, of two, but only two of 11 from the four. Right. Starting to affect his two-point, or yeah. his, his, his field goal percentage inside the arc. Yeah, he's just not, he's not a threat, really well, at all. Let's see if I can, darn it, I had this somewhere. Uh, crap. <laughs> oh, here we go. Okay, I have it now. The Thunder held, well, okay, never mind. I was looking at the Thunder's uh, two-point percentage. <laughs> Which is honestly pretty high. Uh, yeah. And if you take into consideration that Giddy was two of 11, two of 11 from the floor, only shot two three point attempts, like that brought that down so much more. Um, it's just not fitting within the flow of this offense. And again, he, it's not like Lou Dort that has a defensive staple or Lou Dort who can get it going from outside. As we've seen this season, like this seems fairly sustainable that he can hit some big time shots when he needs to. Josh Giddy hasn't been able to do that this season. It's kind of what it comes down to. You're totally right. He just doesn't have anything to offer other than like rebounding. Like I think that might be the thing he's offering right now. The playmaking is not really there. It wasn't there tonight. It's not there against the best teams, ultimately. Like there are some nights where he'll stuff the stat sheet more. You know, he'll pick up like 12, 8, and 3, something like that. Not didn't do that tonight. Doesn't do that against the best teams, it seems like. Um, other than like the Boston game where he was just hot from the from three. Um, so this is kind of a funny comment yeah. in the chat. Uh, people are laughing at this in the chat, but I think it's a, a pretty accurate point, really good perspective from somebody who was at the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ernest says, being at the game, you can start to hear the crowd moaning when Giddy gets back in the game in the fourth. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, I get it, though. I get it. I get it. Um, people, it's easy to see. It's, it's think easy to see. It's probably what he was going for. Groaning is probably but... what he meant to say. <laughs> Lord have mercy, I'm about to bust. 
<laughs> groaning is probably uh, what we should say. <laughs> but um, no, it, it's so easy to see that he's just not fitting. He's he's not. And I don't know. I don't want to like we don't like to be reactionary on this podcast. We don't want to jump the gun and say insane shit when things go bad. Um, but it's been, you know, uh, half a season. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy with Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketplace platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results fast. It's okay if you don't know much about marketing. Constant Contact's writing assistant tools and automation features help you craft messaging and say the right things at the right time. I use this to help write and send my email newsletters, and you should too. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. So far, Taylor, and he's uh, not good. More than that. Yeah, we're getting close to the all-star break, which is about a third of the way through the season. But hey, Silva, we're talking a lot about negatives here. We are. Super fun, exciting game. And we saved the two biggest pauses for last. The two pauses that probably did make the people in the arena moan. <laughs> I can't believe I just said that. Uh, Chet Holmgren, <laughs> Shea Gills, Alexander. Yeah, well, we know what, you know, <laughs> Jacob does that kind of thing at games. He was there. <laughs> I think um, <laughs> uh, it was Nick who said that after that. So let's see. I mentioned that Murray made a one point game, 98 to 97. There was like 40 ish seconds left it's off the top of my head. I don't have that timestamp. Um, but then it was, uh, yeah, Josh had that that floater that he missed, left short, kicks it out to three, or kicks it out to Chet for three. And then Nick mentioned to us that Trey Mann just like ripped off his warm ups. It's like, yeah, you know, it's <laughs> kind of all of us, you know? Yeah. It was. It was like very cathartic that Chet was able to catch that. And we could talk about Chet now. Let's just get that out of the way. Chet has been in the stinker offensively for a little while now because January, as we described earlier in the podcast, was a hellish month for the team, especially a guy that plays small ball center essentially every single game and is a rookie and who's uh, paper thin uh, below the waist. <laughs> Man, we are off the rails tonight. I love it. Uh, his legs his legs are thin um he was awesome and do you think he's been getting in his own head a little bit because i kind of have felt like that with the pump faking at three the pump fake pump fake pump fake i mean yeah he's a even if he was technically on the roster last year he's a rookie this is his first time he and this burn he's facing the adversity for the first time in his nba career between nba teams adjusting to him and really starting to watch film on him and adjust accordingly such as smaller I, I say small they aren't small players guarding him right but like wings being the ones to guard him rather than true centers that he's able to take advantage of stretch out to the three-point line and kind of stretch the floor and space the offense now he's getting those smaller players on him which is resulting in turnovers tougher shots for him it's making it much more tough for chet to get to his spots so him having to adjust to that as well as again one of the most tough months for any NBA team, apparently, that according to Dignall, in the last five seasons, for a rookie like Chet, especially as I, I understand he's young, young legs, but he's also very thin, to your point. And, like, he's trying to adjust to that as well. And I think he's been frustrated with his play accordingly. And seeing him adjust like he's been able to, 
we've talked a lot about that when he's playing teams for the second time. He always seems to really adjust. He's a film junkie. He adjusts accordingly from the first time he plays a team. We're seeing him start to adjust as well with the NBA schedule and the way that these teams are now guarding him. And tonight was just a perfect example of that. Like you mentioned, just way more aggressive and assertive after a pretty weak court, first quarter, I think, from Chet. But we see him with 18 points. The biggest thing for me is the 13 rebounds. He was crashing the boards. So good. It was huge. And obviously the five blocks, which we almost have just become accustomed to. The blocks were insane. Uh, the, the, we haven't seen, it's been a minute since we've seen an explosion of blocks like this. At least it's felt like it. It's felt like his, it's, it has felt like his impact has been minimized uh, the last couple of weeks, uh, at least compared to what he was the first third of the season, you know, um, really nice to see him come back and play a game that was this good i don't know if we said his full box score 18 points five blocks three assists 13 rebounds um hit the biggest shot of the game with 20 seconds left thunder were down one he hit a three which sealed it after they damn near coughed up like a 10 point lead with just what three four minutes left they had a 10 point lead and then yellow josh giddy came in and <laughs> lost that and went downhill he lost that lead i mean Live and die by the three is kind of the narrative of the modern NBA, especially this Thunder team. This Thunder team plays completely different when they're hitting their threes and that, and compared to when they're missing them. It's a no crap statement, right? But we saw that in the second half. But that's also like Chet in a nutshell as well. When he's hitting those threes, you see him get more aggressive, more confident. And he just becomes almost an unstoppable player, the all-star level player that we um, are so excited about. And so him hitting those threes, like you mentioned, three of four from three, that's just significant for this team in general, much less his own confidence. And I think that results in some of the things we're seeing, like the 18 points and the 13 rebounds, him just being more aggressive on the boards. Yeah, in our comments, uh, he still lives 19, said, how was it only five blocks? Uh, he said he was there, and it felt like eight to nine. Felt like that to us, too, watching watching at home. And I think that's why night to night, Chet feels like the second most impactful guy on the team. Uh, I do you agree with that? Like he's the second most. It's either him or J Dub, obviously. Uh, but Chet, what Chet does to bend opposing offenses is clear as day to see, and it is drastic. Like how much the game shifts when he is out there and is able to be more free on defense and not be so concerned with gigantic people. Uh, like if Jokic was there, I don't know if he has this exact impact. I was thinking that as well. Yeah. Yep which is a problem for another day. You know, it's, he's, we're figuring it out kind of as he goes. Um, he is so impactful. So I, really I wish I had these stats pulled up for the Denver Nuggets for the season, but I just kind of came across this and we're already 37 minutes. Mm -hmm. I don't want to waste time looking it up, but to your point, the Nuggets had 37, three point attempts, 37 threes to their 93, 37 of their shot attempts were from three uh, other 93 mm. shot attempts. I just completely butchered that. <laughs> but I think that shows you the impact that Chet has down there in the paint, yeah. especially with that with Jokic out. And when you have Jokic in there, obviously that's going to change things. You're not as, you're not quite as worried about the paint because Jokic can space the floor and he can play make and do so much. He takes Chet completely away from the rim. That's why I love seeing that J-Will, Chet, quote-unquote, double big lineup. To your point, they aren't really, quote-unquote, bigs. That allows Chet to run a little more freely and just gives him more confidence, I think, on the defensive side of the ball. So hopefully that leads to the Thunder, like seeing those data points and potentially making a trade for somebody who can play alongside Chet in certain lineups. Another big. Yeah, I'm actually looking up. I wanted to see that last game that the Thunder played against them where they won 119-93. to Was who Was Jokic out in that one? No, he played. He did play. So they just kicked their ass. So even yeah, okay. So I, I'm thinking of like the ebbs and flows of the season. When when stuff like this comes up, it's like, well, Chet wouldn't have done this against Jokic. Well, he kind of did do it against Jokic. Like the team has been able to succeed even if a larger guy was out there. Um, it's, it's fun to see how this team is evolving and how like other teams are adapting and now doing putting big wings on Chet, putting centers on Dort and Giddy, and how they're able to figure it out. It's right. It's really nice to have a guy like Mark Dagnall as the coach who's unafraid to just try shit out. Yeah. I mean, I, that's another great point. I know we're going long here and probably need to get into Shea, but <laughs> Dagnall's rotations, I mean, he threw out, like you mentioned, we saw Lindy Waters there for a short amount of time. We saw Ooze, but he was quickly pulled in the second quarter. We saw multiple lineups, I believe two specific lineups that we hadn't seen play together all season. 
obviously that's due to the injuries that we mentioned earlier in the podcast, but still to your point, like Daniel's not tried, not afraid to try things. When he finds things that work, finds lineups that works, he sticks with them and it pays dividends. Totally agree. Hey, you want to talk about the best player on the team? Yeah, I mean, we always do this. Like, Shea is Shea, and we yeah. always save him for last on every single podcast because it's just Shea continues to do Shea things. 34 points, 7 rebounds, 5 assists, 10 and 22 from the floor after starting very poorly uh, in the first half. I believe he was only like 6 of something. Um, 2 of 3 from 3, and one of those was just a dagger step back 3, which was incredible. And then Shea getting to the line. Again, we're seeing more of that here the last two months. 12 of 13 from the field. Oh, sorry, 12 of 13 from the free throw line. And I actually I haven't pulled up his. He played with four fouls. He had two blocks and two steals. <laughs> like, there's nothing else to say about MVP no. Shea. And the fact Insane. that he can do that after the after this month, like at the end of this of this stretch of games, he's banged up too. The most important thing, he's banged up he too. Had a, he had, he, he was tweaked sick, his knee apparently. and played through it. Yeah. And yeah, he was sick. Right, he was questionable coming into this game for being sick. Yeah. It's just like it's absolutely absurd. And I was trying. He now leads the league with the most thirty point games but i was going to see i had that screenshot as well and of course i can't find it regardless just absurd i think he leads luca who's number two by like five games now with 30 point games it's just becoming a normal yeah. staple for shea even on games when he quote unquote struggles like he did i thought last couple of games just another day at the office for that guy um wow we're 41 minutes in. it was a, it was <laughs> a, covered a lot exciting. of ground there there's more, a more exciting game than I thought it would be because we thought that we'd be out with four. We thought four of the five starters could be out and it was just going to be an ass kicking. But fortunately, they gave us a nice, a nice divine dish for this evening. Hey, you know, had McAllister's divine. That's divine dish one. And I had this Thunder game. That's divine dish two. <laughs> it's that simple. Trying to get that energy back for Silva after giving all that blood. God, I need it. I need it. Uh, what else do you want to talk about, Taylor? You want to talk about the Rising Stars update? Yeah, I think we should. That's exciting. Uh, three Thunder players going to Rising Stars. You can, I bet you can guess who they are. It's Chet. <laughs> it's J-Dub. It's Casey Wallace. I don't know if J-Dub is actually going to play. When When is the Rising Stars? Like the date of that? So it's it's after the trade deadline. The trade trade deadline is February 8th. So... I mean, it depends how long J-Dub is out. Mark mentioned that J-Dub and Isaiah Joe, he would expect them to be out at least a couple of games. Um, okay. I could see the Thunder potentially resting Dub all the way through the All-Star break, given the mm -hmm. a little more of a light schedule. Maybe he comes back before then. But if he is, like, I don't see them necessarily wanting to risk him going out there if that's, like, his mm -hmm. first game back or, like, you know, his third game, whatever. So we might not see Dub. Still, it's a selection. It counts. To your point, you got Kaysen Wallace. That's awesome for him to get that recognition. Chet's a no-brainer. So there's four players represented in All-Star Weekend just right there. Uh, not including Keontae Johnson, who made the the NBA G League All-Star oh, game, nice. which is in the same weekend. Yeah, And hopefully, Silva, hopefully. Again, another player who's injured. We'll see. But Isaiah Joe deserves to be in that conversation for the three-point contest. He does. It's such an easy decision. When you have... Mac McClung returning to the dunk contest. Damn it. You can get Isaiah Joe into the three-point contest. Let him play against Dame, whoever the hell else is going to be there. I don't think they've announced that yet, but he deserves it. He deserves Agreed it. Completely. Deserve it. No, they're all and what an incredible representation for this young Thunder team yeah. to have, I guess, four, five with Keontae, potentially six if Isaiah Joe, six players represented on All-Star Weekend for the Thunder if Isaiah Joe gets that selection for the three-point uh, contest, like that's says a lot about this Thunder team. I would love to look up how many teams in NBA history that are this high of a seed or have this many wins at this point in the season have three players in the Rising Stars Challenge. I would love to look that up because it's probably not very many. I think that is spot on. I was listening to Chandler Parsons, actually was on Ryan Rosillo's podcast and he talked about the Thunder. So I tuned into that one. Yeah. Uh, and that's one thing that he mentioned. He was like, look, like I, I really, re they were talking about Wolves and the Thunder after that game. Mm -hmm. He was like, I really respect both teams a ton. Uh, the Wolves for being, you know, kind of exceeding expectations this season, but they're a little more tenured. Then you have the Thunder team who's able to develop players at the same time, but also win games. He said that is so rare in this NBA. 
I think that kind of goes back to your point about having like so many players representing the rising stars for the second team, third team in the West. Yeah. It, it seems like everything the Thunder are doing these days is, is new and rare and like innovative. And it's uh, really fun to be a fan unless you, unless it's a night where you lose to Detroit Pistons, but otherwise it's a pretty damn good time. <laughs> It's an 82-game season. 82-game season. <laughs> hey, they went 11-6 and six in this month. That made us feel really bad at times and really good at times. 11-6. and six, Pretty damn good, I'll say. February, they'll get some rest. Hopefully make some trades. We'll see. Um, that's, I don't know, anything else you want to discuss? Just big month party? ahead. To your point, it's big month. Uh, not in terms of games, but a lot of exciting things to look forward to in the month of February between the trade deadline and the all-star break. And then another really fun, exciting last, call it the last part of the season. It's not the last half, but the the month of March is going to be pretty challenging for the Thunder and, and not quite as bad as January, but it's up there. Yeah. Um, and if we can get back to full health, it's a great kind of tune up for this team before heading into the playoffs. And I cannot wait. Uh, yeah, I got Jacob in the comments. It'll be a big month for Big Meech. Big Meech. Big Meech is getting some steam going with this. It's catching on. All aboard the Big Meech train. Uh, all the Poku memes die and they leave us because he's going to go play in Europe, probably. <laughs> and we can refill that Better empty, learn Chinese, uh, buddy. That, that <laughs> uh, better learn Chinese, buddy. Uh, I forgot about that. Uh, that's really good. All right, we can uh, get the hell out of here. I'm going to go t- take my third sleep of the day because I gave a half liter of blood today, everyone. Jacob says, how is Meech celebrating this win? Wrong answers only. I'm going to say four cigars. <laughs> Anyone else? He's slamming some Serbian beers back at the, the crib. He's slamming beers, sucking down cigars. That's how it goes for Big Meech. All right. We'll be back. Uh, Taylor, what the hell is the next game they play? What is the next game they play? So, Friday night, we have the Charlotte Hornets at of home. Of course. What an exciting game that'll be. <laughs> it's the Hornets. <laughs> Better take uh, care of business uh, in comparison to the Detroit game, but I think this Thunder team will, even if they're shorthanded. No kidding. Uh, yeah, catch us on that post-game show. That'll, that'll be the next time we're live. And then back on Sunday. I think the whole crew will be here for that one. Uh, maybe do some trade previewing because I think next week, next Thursday-ish is the trade deadline. Next Thursday. Uh, yeah, much to discuss on that front. Maybe we'll have some more juicy slot between now and then. Uh, but thank you guys again for listening in the live stream or afterwards. And uh, we'll see you next time. Adios and thunder up.